Thanks for listening to the Oasis City Church podcast. We're located in Boise, Idaho, but wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you and empowers you to take a step towards living a life fully devoted to following Jesus. What's up, Oasis City? You guys doing all right? Two people are doing good, the rest of y'all still, okay. All right. Hey, before we get started, uh, I was, I told the first service, uh, I'll tell you, this is actually the first time I got to preach here. I preached here many times, but the first time I got to preach here with Pastor Landon uh, in the room. So can we just honor Pastor Landon, Pastor Brooke for all that they're doing? It's, uh, it's fun. I, I get, I've got to watch this dream develop uh, in Landon's heart since he was a young, uh, up-and-coming, know-it-all, <laughs> uh, but junior high pastor. He was my junior high pastor um, in Dallas, Texas, uh, and it's just so cool to see um, the dream that was in his heart, the dream that was in Pastor Brooks' heart, uh, and what God is, is beginning to unfold. And can I be honest? This is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. Uh, and so I want to encourage you. You guys are going to three services. Come on. Yes. Hey, here's what that means, okay? We have another service with the ability to impact more lives. It also means we need more of you to get off the bench and into the game to begin serving, to begin helping. Those babies need to know about Jesus, yes. People in the parking lot need to know where to park, otherwise they're going to Savers, okay? They need to, where, they need to know where they're going, uh, but we need some of you guys, so I want to encourage you. Hey, if you have not yet decided, let me jump into a small group. We're going to encourage you to do that today. Let me jump into serving. I want to encourage you to do that right now. Get involved um, and, and just be a part of what God is doing here today. Sound good? Yes? Y'all ready for the word? Let's do it. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 9. If you got your Bibles, open them up. Genesis chapter 1, verse Nine. Y'all ready? It's at the beginning. Shouldn't take you long. Ready? Here we go. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together, he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Yes, class. Uh, verse 12. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was Genesis 2.18, then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And all the single people said, amen. amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Uh, Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this body. Um, God, what an incredible thing you're doing here. And Lord, we, we make no, there's no confusion. You are doing it, God. 
Uh, so we trust you. We lean into you. We ask today, uh, Lord, as we lean into your word, God, we know your word is powerful. We know it is living. We know it is active. We know it has the ability to transform us from the inside out. Uh, so, God, today we just lean into your word and what it is that you have for us. Speak clearly to us in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Uh, speaking of things that are not good, anybody been to Orange Theory? <laughs> Nobody? Raise your hand if you've been to Orange Theory in the room. Okay, uh, if you've never been, which I guess that's most of you, uh, but if you've never been to Orange Theory, I need to tell you a couple things before you ever decide to try or if you just say, nah, I'm good. Uh, but when you go into Orange Theory, you're going to sign up, you're going to get there, and they're going to say, hey, here's the treadmills, here's the, here's the, the floor where you're going to work out and do weights. Uh, but then they're going to also ask you, hey, are you a runner jogger or are you a power walker? Okay, where are my runner joggers in the room? Who's a runner? How many of you are my old grandma power walkers? Come on, somebody. Uh, and listen, so, so Orange Theory, they, they put you in a box, right? They categorize you. Uh, and I had to let the coach know when I got there, hey, listen, I'm a power walker, okay? That's what, I'm not running. I know you think it's good for me. It's not. I'm going to walk. Uh, I'll put that thing at an incline, and we'll call it good, okay? But I'm a power walker. She said, all right, great, that's awesome. Uh, and one of the things I do actually love about Orange Theory is that when you get into this group, you begin to develop a, a camaraderie. You begin to develop a community within itself, right? Uh, so people are there. They're cheering you on. When you're at that place where you just feel like you can't go any further, like they'll, yeah, come on, let's go. You got a coach that's cheering you on, that's calling you by name. They're doing all these things, and it's, it's a fantastic thing to be a part of, Right? Uh, I remember in one class, I broke the 1,000-calorie barrier in one class. Thank you, ma'am. I appreciate it. <laughs> Nobody else understands, but we're on the same, okay? Uh, and and when, when I hit it, we're in the middle of it, and everybody just starts cheering and clapping, and we were celebrating, and it felt so good. And, and I was loving Orange Theory uh, until one day uh, I decided to go with a friend. Uh, and that friend, uh, he was a runner, he was a track star. You know what I mean? Uh, so we get to the class and we get there and I'm like, hey man, I just need you to know I'm a power walker. I know you run. I know that you, I'm a power walker. He just laughed. He smiled. And then when we get on, uh, they said, hey, today we are running for the mile test. How fast can you run the mile? And I'm like, dang it. This would be the first time I go with this guy. And so we're sitting there and uh, they go, all right, are you ready? On your mark, get set. Go, and here I am, right? Got my headband on, little 80s outfit. I'm doing my power walking. <laughs> but I look at him, and he takes off in a dead sprint. Dead sprint. I'm like, this is a mile. What are you doing? I did not know that the coach and the rest of the class, they call him Flash. Um, he had the fastest mile in the class in that city, like at that Orange Theory. And so he's sitting there sprinting, dead sprint. And I'm just... <laughs> and all of a sudden, this overwhelming thought came into my mind. I am losing. So I start to jog. I start to pick it up. And next thing I know, I'm running. And I'm running. And I'm feeling good. And I make it an entire mile. I finish. Uh, I ran the whole way. Come on, somebody. Yes. Um... And man, 
it was, uh, it was something. Felt it that day. Came back the next day. They said, hey, today we're going to run for distance. I was like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> then the next day, I, I, had, uh, I had ran again. And then I ran again. And the next thing I know, I went from the category of power walker to runner-jogger. And you would look from the outside, you say, see, a little competition did you good. Where are my competitive people at? A little competition did you good. But in reality, um, it didn't end up being good for me. It actually made things worse. I think many times we look at people and we, we have this sudden uh, realization and an understanding, an innate thing in us that wants to compete. Our whole lives we have been taught, do it better, right? The objective is to win, whatever it is, right? We have hot dog eating contests. You know how ridiculous that is? <laughs> it's my favorite thing on 4th of July, but it's still ridiculous. <laughs> we just want to win. But, but there's a problem with this. We, we think that we have to do better than the people around us. And for some reason, if we don't, then we don't measure up. We feel inadequate. So we have to ask ourselves this question, is competition healthy? This is a hard question for me to ask because I am, I am like deep inside, I'm very competitive. I love competition, but I wonder if it actually helps us thrive. There was a study uh, of businesses and schools uh, and it was done on competitive environments uh, in, in, in workplaces and in school settings. Uh, and Amy Edmonds, she's a, she's a writer for Harvard Business Review, and she says this, she says, organizations often ignorantly send the wrong message, hence nullifying any supposed gains. The explicit or the intended message of highly competitive environments is that hard work is needed to be successful here. Who would agree? But the implicit or perhaps unintended message is that your success occurs when others fail. In a competition, others must lose if you are to win. Self-preservation is a powerful force. So we see that, that competition can boost the individual, but it can actually have a negative effect on others and the whole. As a society, we are in this place and have been in this place of continual restlessness and burnout. We feel like we can never quite get to the finish line. We can never quite measure up. And we would, we would love to do life with people, right? I would love to get in a small group. I would love to be in a circle but it's too draining to do life with people because when we do life with them, we're always trying to measure. I've either won and I've pushed those in my community down to win or I've lost and I now feel inadequate around the people that I should belong to. Now, now listen, I, please understand, I don't believe everybody gets a trophy. You understand, okay? Uh, we teach our kids, hey, you lost, okay? Score was, you lost. Uh, but we, I don't believe everybody gets a trophy. Uh, but I, I wonder what it has done to us within the context of our community. Because most of us cannot rest in the comfort of our community because we feel the need to compete with those we're in community with. 
When we look at the text in Genesis, we see that God made all things and he called them good. The only thing he saw that was not good was when man had no one to collaborate with, no one to compliment him. God, God didn't look at his creation. Uh, God didn't look at Adam and said, do you know what you need? You need a competitor. You need somebody to wake up every morning, look at and realize I'm not good enough. I need to try harder. I need to do better. I need to constantly chase and, and constantly move and constantly chase after the things. And I have to do better because God gave me a competitor to look at each day. That's not what God did. God said, no, 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 it's not good because you don't have a helper. If we're not careful, the line between collaborating with somebody and competing with them can become very blurry. Here's how, here's how you can tell, right, if you're in a relationship, you're wondering right now, am I in a relationship with people that are competitors or collaborators? Um, if you win and they celebrate, if you lose and they pick you back up, and tell you to keep going. They're probably people who are there to compliment you, people to collaborate, people to make you better. But if, if you win and they have something negative to say, oh, nobody else had somebody in their life that does that? Okay. Um, <laughs> or if you lose and they're like, see, I told you. What did I tell you about them? I knew that that would happen. You think I'm just talking about other people. I'm gonna talk about you. Um, <laughs> Are the people that you're in relationship with, when they get the promotion, do you celebrate? Or on the inside, do you go, it should have been mine. When the people around you, if, 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 they, if they lose, are you secretly going, great, now I have the opportunity to rise? Who are we in the relationship? We cannot compliment, we cannot collaborate if we are looking to compete. Listen, I, I can't or rather won't help you if you think I'm competing against you, right? Uh, and you can't receive help if you think we're in competition because if I extend a hand, you will see an extended hand. Rather than help, you'll see it as a motive. What do they want from me? What are they looking to gain from this interaction, and, and, and you will think that there's a hidden agenda in every relationship, and, and when you think there's a hidden agenda, you will not trust, and where you do not trust, there is no unity. You can't have unity without trust. Uh, anybody fall down uh, rabbit holes on TikTok and Instagram? We've all been there. Uh, forgive us, Lord. Uh, can, uh, <laughs> Can we show this video? I saw this video um, a while back, and it's, it's really intriguing to me. Have to do, and he takes third place from Lex Gillette. And go ahead and pause there. So these are two runners. The guy in the blue is the one who's competing in the race. This is the Paralympics, and he's blind. The guy in the yellow is his together. Now, if you can see closely, you see their hands moving in unison together that are, that are they, have a, they have a band that ties them both together. And the guide's purpose is to not go faster or slower than the guy who is running. The only way they're going to reach the goal is if they move together in unison. Now, now imagine if, 
if the, uh, if the runner, the guy who's competing, if he decided, you know what, I don't need him. He's not running fast enough for me. I'm going to take off on my own. He would not know how to get where he was going because his guide would have been left behind. But, but then if, if the guide decided, I'm faster than this guy. I need everybody to know that I'm faster. They need to understand and recognize I could beat him in a race. If he decided to take off, if there is any pull or drag from him to the person he is guiding, they're actually disqualified from the race. They must move together in perfect unison in order to get to the place that they have destined for them. In order to reach the finish line, they have to operate in perfect unison. Unity. He needs him to be his eyes and his feet. He is running alongside of him. Listen, it is because of their unity. It is because of their collaboration that they could accomplish what they set out to do. God blesses. God breathes on. God smiles on unity. Collaboration is key. I know some of you in here hate collaboration because you did group projects in high school. How many, if you're not laughing, you were the one who did nothing. (laughs) You did nothing. I got an A? Sweet. Right? That's why we don't like it. Listen, God saw one thing, one thing when he created everything and he said it was not good. He said, I have not found man a suitable helper. Now, we have to understand, God doesn't make mistakes, right? So God is not up in heaven going, it was good, it was good, it was good. What ingredient did I miss here? Something's missing. Oh, yes, someone to help. No, God knew what he was doing. He used this moment to tell us that isolation is not good, that doing it on your own is not good, but you need someone there with you. We all need someone to come alongside of us to accomplish what God has called us to do. And I I hear all the time, I hear this all the time, I don't need nobody. It's generally because we got hurt. I don't need anybody, just me and Jesus. I don't need the church. I don't need community. I don't need small groups. I don't need to serve. It's just me and God all alone on a mountain by ourselves. We're good. That's not true. It's not true. Here's here's how I, I know that it's not true. Because Adam had perfect communion with God. In the garden, it says he walked with him. He talked with him. It says in the cool of the day, God and Adam would walk together and have conversations. And yet, God felt like it was not good. I'm going to be honest. I always always looked at this and I just thought, well, Adam needed a helper. You ever done yard work? You need somebody else to kind of... You know what I mean? Uh, help you out with it. Like, he's got lots of animals. He's got a garden to attend, like, tend to. He needs some help. Uh, so we look, I always looked at it in the context of a helper. But if, if you look at Genesis 2.15, it says this. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. But as, as God created Adam... We must remember that he was created within the context and the framework of every being perfect. 
Adam didn't need a suitable helper to work the garden. The garden worked itself. We, we see in Genesis 3 that the result of sin was that man had to now work the ground to receive its, its, its fruit. There had to be labor to receive, right? So, so the idea here is not that he needed somebody to help him work the garden. They, 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 they con- Theologians and commentators would say this. It says that the, the English language and the translation here is a bit off, and, and, and it would be better understood as this. The original language would more accurately say, God put man in the garden to worship and obey. Adam needed someone to help him worship God and to obey God. We need community to help us worship God and to obey God. This is funny because most of us will choose our relationships off of what can you do for me? How can this relationship benefit my situation? How can we even help each other? I'm not going to say all the time, but there is a give and a take, right? It's how can I get something from them? But but God, God puts this here and he says, listen, to worship and obey. Very few of us choose relationships based off of who's going to help me worship God better. Who's going to challenge me to make sure that my obedience to God remains intact? When getting ahead would say be disobedient. Who's going to challenge my blind spots? God was saying, listen, you need someone to worship me with. That is why this is so important. That is why staying after service and getting connected to a small, that's why it is so important. So we can find people We can gather together. We can worship God together. We can learn how to pray with one another. We can learn how to be more obedient together. Your relationship with God was never intended to be walked out in isolation, but instead within the confines of community. It's in community that we actually find greater understanding of who God is. I, I, I cannot know everything I need to know about God through my own life and through my own experience. There are moments where I'm gonna understand the character, the goodness, the kindness, who God is. I'm gonna understand it through somebody else's experience as I watch. I may not actually recognize that I need a healer, okay? I may not need a healer right now, but as I watch somebody else I can get an understanding that God is a healer. And then when it comes to my situation, I have firmer ground. I have a more solid foundation to say I can trust who he is because I've seen him do it in their life. If you're in here today and you said, I I need God to show up as a provider and I just can't see how I can be provided by by God because these bills ain't coming through and this. But I've seen him do it in somebody else's life, so I'm going to stand firm knowing that he is who he says he is. It is through the context of relationships and community that we have a better understanding of who God is because we can see it in someone else's life. I can grab a hold of what he has done in someone else's life to say, now I know he can do it for me too. It's through community. Community gives us a greater ability to worship and to obey. And I already know what you're thinking. Yeah, but they messed up, right? Eve still ate the apple, and she did. And Adam was right there alongside of her. 
He watched her do it. He heard the temptation. You know why they ate of the tree? Because the enemy tricked them into believing that collaborating with God was not good. It wasn't good enough. Yes, God wanted to and still wants to collaborate with man. He looked, he said, here, everything is good. Now take dominion and multiply. We still have that command. We have the the command to take dominion. God still wants to partner with us, but the enemy tricked them into believing that instead of working with God, they should compete with him. Do you, you could be like God. You could be like him. Why would you want to to do something together with him when you could be just as good as him? He told them to compete. And listen, some of us are still doing the same thing. We We are competing with people to see who can do it better, and we're competing with God to see who's really in charge. Genesis 3, 4 says this. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. They, they were moved to this place of temptation and look what happened. They exited their Sabbath. They exited their rest. They were in a place of continual rest and because they got in competition, they moved out of that to where they had to labor and they had to work. And immediately, once they exit their rest, they're straight back into competition mode. God says, why did you eat the apple? And and, and Adam goes, it was the woman you gave me, right? It's her fault, not mine. He's in competition with his wife. Cain and Abel, he is in competition with his brother, and he commits the first murder. Sin has perpetuated itself throughout humanity and throughout our own lives because we're in competition. How many times have you crossed the line you know you shouldn't have crossed because you were trying to get ahead? Ahead in your job? Ahead in your relationship? When we're competing to keep up, we go over boundaries that God has put in place. Even now in the church, the church has done a lot of good. Church is this Beautiful, messed up organism, right? Uh, That has jacked up people in it, like you and me. Um, But sometimes we've done more harm than good because we're competing with the people that we're actually supposed to be in collaboration with. Trying to say, look, just, will you just look at me? Look what I can do. And, and, And Paul saw this in the early church. He was like, they're in competition. He's like, quit it. Stop. Quit competing with one another. Don't you know we're all one body? Stop trying to do things you were never intended to do. Because if you would just take your place in the body, then this church could move forward at a powerful and a rapid pace. We could extend past the kingdom of darkness at a rapid pace if we, the church, would just take our place and say, I'm ready. 
I'm not competing with the people next to me. I'm not competing with my friends. I'm not competing with the church down the street. I am in collaboration with God and with this body. And we could take territory. But it's when we're learning, right? Ever seen a new baby try and walk? It's funky. This leg goes that way and this one stays back there. The arms are flailing because they don't yet know how to move in unison. They're figuring some of these things out. But when we can get in unity, when we can begin to say, I'm not worried about my place, I'm not worried about how, I just know I want to be plugged in at the right spot, at the right moment, and move when God tells me to move. I can take ground. This church body was designed to collaborate. And not one role in this body is more important or less important than the other. I saw this so clear uh, in the life of my my grandfather. Uh, He passed away a few years ago. And we were at his funeral and we were gathered at the church. And I just kept hearing story after story about him. Man, if it wasn't for Gene, I don't know if I'd be here. Man, if it wasn't for Gene, our family wouldn't have actually ate this month. And, and people just kept going on and on. And you would have thought that as you listened, if you were outside, you would have thought maybe he's the pastor or he's on staff or, or he had a position. He had no position uh, in the church. He was not a good communicator. Um, he was shy and his mouth was unsanctified like many of you, um, and me sometimes. He wasn't, he didn't hold any high office. He was a farmer by occupation. And he was the first one to unlock the doors of the church, setting up chairs and tables, and if somebody needed something, he helped fulfill the need. And he never got in competition to try and be something that he wasn't. But you know what I know? That when he went to heaven, he heard the same words Billy Graham heard, heard the same words Paul heard, Peter heard, any, think of any amazing person throughout the course of history who has done great things for God, he heard the same words, well done, my good and faithful servant. he operated in collaboration with the body. God has called us to collaborate and to complement. It was clear from the beginning. Genesis 1:26 it says, "Then God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness." Listen, we were created in the the likeness of the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And what I love is, is there's no competition in them, but instead perfect collaboration. It's so evident in the life of Jesus. There is no striving, there is no competition in him. As he's here on earth, he says, listen, I only come to do the will of the Father. Whatever he says, I will say. Whatever he tells me to do, I will do. And he does it. And then he goes to the cross and he dies on a cross 
And he goes to the grave, and three days later, he resurrects because he won victory over death, hell, and the grave for you and for me. And in his resurrected state, he comes back, and he shows back up, and the people see him in his glorified state, his glorified body, and they're looking at him like, here, here he is, here's our Savior, here's our Messiah, and, and they're ready for him to take his place, and he says, ah, I actually have to go away. I actually have to leave because there's one greater coming to you. And Jesus steps aside and the Holy Spirit steps in. And the Holy Spirit now empowers millions of believers around the world to do what he's called us to do, to be the church. It is this perfect symbol of unity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit moving together in perfect collaboration, no striving, no competing, just being who they are. And we were created in that same image. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they can keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. God's original design for us was to be together. Can you put up uh, Genesis 2.15 one more time? It says this, says, The Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. We earlier talked about th this verse and we learned work and keep could be more accurately described as worship and obey. Uh, but we also see where it says that God put him in the garden. Uh, and this, they, they say the, this, these words, this verbiage uh, gives a picture of God putting him there, yes, but it says he placed them in his safety and his rest. So if we were to read it, it would read, so God put man in his safety and rest to worship and obey. And God saw fit that this place would be operated in best with the context of a helper. We were meant to make each other better. We were not meant to walk this walk of faith alone. We have greater ability to worship him and to obey him with help. Someone else to say, we can do this. Someone else to cheer you on when you feel like you can't do it. Someone else to celebrate with you when you do do it. But we're not meant to do it alone. need people to say, I'm going to come alongside you. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to fight with you. I'm going to do whatever we have to do together to make sure that you can do all that God has called you to do and I can do all that God has called me to do. And we're going to do it together. Not here to compete, but instead to help, to collaborate, to complement. We are better when we live out our faith in community. Uh, earlier, I, I told you about Orange Theory. And I had said that, you know, it, it looked on the outside like, oh, you, you became a runner. That's great. But it actually was the worst thing that happened to me. Uh, 
the reason for that is because I, I grew up as an athlete and I have twisted my ankles and knees. Can't tell you how many times. I had bad knees and bad ankles. And when I was operating within the collaboration of the group that said, hey, we're gonna celebrate you being a power walker, I was able to sustain that pace and grow stamina and cardio and lose weight and all of that stuff. I was able to sustain that pace and they encouraged me to do better. But when I placed myself, the key word, I placed myself there. Nobody else placed me there. You're the only one that can place yourself in competition with somebody else. When I placed myself in competition, it actually began to tear me down. It looked good from the outside for a little bit, but it was the thing that destroyed my ability to keep going, going because it, it just hurt so bad. Same concept can be true for you. Competition within your community will tear you down, but collaboration will build you up. Some of you in here today are afraid to get back into community because you've competed with people in the past and it tore you down. I, I, I was praying before the, the service who have been called friends, who have been in your community, it was because there was a competition that, that was there. or uh, whether, whether known or unknown, there was something where somebody was trying to get ahead and you felt like somebody did you wrong. And so here you are today and you're going, I'm never gonna put myself back into that vulnerable situation again. And I wanna tell you that God said, do it afraid. I know you're afraid to do it. I know, I know you feel vulnerable to get back into community, but do it afraid because I promise you, I'm building you have to be built with helpers. So if you're in here today, uh, with every head bowed, every eye closed, <clears throat> if you're in here today and you said, hey, I, I have, I've, I've exited myself from community or I've never entered into community because I always feel like I don't measure up. Maybe I had a bad experience and I was hurt or, or maybe there's just some inadequacies in me that feel like I just won't be good enough. But I know I need a community around me. If that's you today, I'm not gonna call you to the front. I'm not gonna ask you to do anything, but I wanna pray for you. You say, hey, I have not gotten into community or I've exited community because I, I'm afraid or because I, I, I don't think I'll measure up. Would you just raise your hand? I just wanna pray for you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. The second thing I wanna pray for is maybe you're in here today and you've either never made Jesus your Lord and Savior because you've been competing for who was in charge. You know, it's always, it's always great to have a Savior. Many times it's pretty rough to have a Lord. You say, I've been competing or maybe you entered into a relationship and you've walked away because, because you've been competing with God for who's in charge. But if, if you're here today and you say, I want to commit my life to Jesus for the first time or recommit my life to Jesus, would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray for you real quick. Lord, I just thank you for every single person here, every single person online who's watching. God, first of all, I just pray, I pray for community in hearts and minds. 
God, where we have been hesitant to jump back into community because we've been hurt before. Pray we would have the ability to step into that. Pray we would do it afraid. Because we know a, the context of a helper is better. We need someone to make us better. Lord, I pray for those who are saying, Lord, I'm done competing with you. I want to make you my Lord and my Savior. God, I know you're doing a work in their heart right now. God, and I thank you for what you're doing there. In Jesus' name. Hey, listen, if you made that decision afterwards, I want you to find somebody. We're going to have prayer teams up here. We've got uh, people out in the lobby that you can talk to. But I want you to connect with somebody. They're going to help you with next steps. They want to pray with you. Um, but right now we're going to get ready to go into a time of worship. Uh, and we're also going to enter into a time of communion. Um, so we're, we will have people up here at the front uh, with the, the communion emblems. Um, and you can come up, grab those. We'll finish worship, worshiping. Hey, I'm, I'm going to say we're open communion here. You don't have to belong to this church. You don't have to. We just, just it's a, it's a, but you do, we do ask that if you belong to Jesus. It's a relationship with you and him. Uh, and this is a special moment for us to uh, partake in together to remember the Lord. Scripture says, do this in remembrance of me. Uh, and so we're going to do this together. So while the worship team plays, go ahead and grab uh, the, the communion cups and the bread. Uh, we'll worship together and then Pastor Landon will come up and we will partake together. Thanks again for listening to the Oasis City Church podcast. We would love the opportunity to connect with you, pray for you, or give you next steps on your journey of following Jesus. Send us an email to info at oasiscity.church to get connected today.